Welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of St. George the Martyr of Kales River with the chapelries of St. Mark the Evangelist and St. Monica's of West Bank. This, of course, is a continued exploration of faith within this time of crisis. And just to that point, I'm joined always by our rector, Archdeacon Father Rodney Whiteman. And Father Rodney, this has been a very interesting time the last three months, but this week specifically, there have been protest actions from usually a quite a quiet section of our society who have just kind of had enough. And there have been landmark decisions um, that's not quite in line with the science um, from our president. How are you doing through all of this and how are you making sense of all of this, Father? Good morning, Lindsay. Um, uh... I, I think um, one has to accept that cabin fever has gotten to some people uh, who also are challenged by uh, a lack of resources and who feel powerless um, because of the situation and that those whom they've elected on their behalf to um, make satisfactory decisions that would benefit all, perhaps are not doing it. So they need to voice this through a, a voice, an action of protest, um, which of course gives them, I think, a false sense of power, because once the protest is quelled, uh, are the issues necessarily addressed? Mm. Uh, but there's so much damage and often loss of life that can happen. Um, and that, of course, worsens the issue. But the anger then continues to boil. And um, those who are higher upper um, perhaps are not able to allow their voice and their message to filter down through the channels. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. when you when you have, for example, a president needing to make a national statement, you, we have provincial leaders that can curb that from going right through. Even if the media has got it out there, mm. there will be mm. a conflict of understanding. Uh, social media, I mean, often gets things wrong because somebody heard the wrong thing. And so are people therefore dealing with the proper information? And mm. can the responses, can they trust what has been given to them? And then there's just, I think, a level of frustration in that people can't get on with their, with their normal lives. Uh, there's no progress for them. So I would just say that it is a, a, a pot boiling on the stove, on the kettle yeah. that, uh, you know, will give a vent to that. Unfortunately, the inequality in our society has lots to say about this, the overcrowding of people like Imagine being under lockdown and isolation in a crowded home or in a crowded community. Must reach levels of, of real frustration. Mm. On the mm -hmm. one level, you can't blame people. On the other level, you can say, is there not a rational voice that can say, yes, protest, but let's not do it to further distract, um, uh, um, uh, you know, better people look at us and seeing us as the people who break down. Let the other tests be seen as that which can help the populace uh, grow. So, um, you know, and then, of course, I don't envy the leadership because 
um, you know, as you said earlier on, there are facts that are available to us that if properly understood um, and collectively um, un uh, interpreted would then maybe bring our country to where we don't have to be in lockdown three, maybe at lockdown level two, mm. um, which can open up more things for people. But I, I've, uh, you know, um, sometimes the response to that question, Lindsay, makes me feel as if I'm living in a tower uh, with glass, <laughs> with glass windows. Um, uh, one is sort of cautious that you're practicing protection so you don't get involved in the crowds. Mm. But, um, you know, protest brings out the multitude. Yeah, and yeah. that also can jeopardize people's lives because of the fact that social distancing will not happen. People maybe not properly masked, and so gives uh, gives an opportunity for COVID to be doing its thing amongst our people. So it's that's mm -hmm. a pot boiling. It is, it is, and it's a difficult time for everybody. And absolutely, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just happy that some of my life choices have kind of worked out perfectly for me now some of them not quite so um like my daughter my my daughter's at a private school and they have not been affected by the closures now which is very much in line with with my personal views on the matter i believe that the schools should continue there's no risk within the schools for community transmission or at least a high risk um but yeah that's that's just my my personal views on the matter and i'm quite happy with my situation right now wish the work would come in a bit more quickly though. <laughs> but yes. yeah i'm fortunate to still have some form of income um even though it's quite diminished now um but to still be able to put a plate of food on the table and keep a roof over our heads mm. um and on that point father if you could just please call everybody together to the right mindset so that we can choose through this further agrarian <laughs> dive into our faith. Certainly, Lindsay, thank you very much. The Lord, whose deeds are made known to the people, be with you. Good morning to you all, and we welcome you to the virtual service of the eighth Sunday after Pentecost during COVID-19. And the various forms of services that goes out, we are called to celebrate us, our fellowship with God calling us to a deeper and meaningful intimacy and community. And uh, so we pray today the collect that has been designated for the eighth Sunday. And we remember as we pray this collect, it brings not only themes of the scriptures of the day together in a prayer form, but also brings together the church throughout Southern Africa, holding in mind the church and the world at the same time. So let us pray. O sovereign God, Jesus Christ established your reign on earth. Let its coming be like the mustard seed that grows into greatness and like the leaven that mixes with the grain until the whole becomes greater. To the praise of the one holy and blessed Trinity, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, we've been reading from 
Paul's letter to the Romans for what seems to be the entire extent of lockdown. Yes. Um, I, I, I just want to pick your brain about why these texts feature so heavily. Um, this week's one is Romans 8 verses 26 to 30. I like the opening line 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So this morning I was brushing my teeth. My daughter then sideswiped me with the question, as they always do, um, of like, why did you start this podcast? Why did you decide to start the podcast? And then that got me into thinking. So then I had to scrap all of the <laughs> the thoughts and misings that I had last night um, to prepare for, for this. And then it really got me to thinking of like, the, the purpose was obviously at the time, the churches weren't compelled to close as they are now. Um, it could still operate. And, and I, I asked her, like I, I explained to her that I, I thought to myself why people go to church. And I took one little kernel of that, which is to receive the message. And then I extrapolated it into an idea where we could discuss kind of the process of getting to the message so that people could maybe feel a bit more empowered to go on their own personal journey into the understanding of their faith and interpretations and to know that there are no right or wrong answers. It's all about like what you bring from it and it is something that we should be discussing with others. Um, and she said that she goes to church because it's a safe place for her to, to pray. And I asked her whether her interpretation of safe was comfortable because everybody else around you is doing the same thing and somebody is telling you what to say and when to say it. Um, I think there's a lot of that kind of understanding and foundation laying of what faith is throughout these Roman texts. Um, I, I just want to get your, your, your take on that, Father. Very interestingly, um, Paul is writing to a community of people in the diaspora so they have left the foundation of their existence, uh, probably migrated for better work opportunities and other opportunities for their families. Mm. So when you have the disconnect from the or the the original point where you found your feet, where you have your foundations, yeah. what what you enter into is foreign foreign environment um, uh, where there are similarities to where you come from, but also where you're going to find things that are pretty strange. Mm. Now, almost without us um, realizing, um, January came 2020 and suddenly the world changes because COVID-19 has come up. Mm. And drastic measures are needing to take. So we are, as it were, in a diaspora. We've yeah. never been in this before. A hundred years ago, there was an experience. But that's so far removed from us that, I mean, how many generations has passed uh, from a hundred years ago to now where we never, I never heard the story of the Spanish flu um, as 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 I've as I've now had to engage it because it's the one uh, historical pandemic that is at least comparable to what we are going through now, and I must say 
when I look at some of the footages of, of those years, that there, there was um, a kind of an incline where people took this very, very seriously, even though it extended itself, I think, to almost two years or three years, but and it took 50 million lives. Now, these are things that, ah, that happened then. We are totally far far removed from that, but look there, January, everything changes for us. So, yeah, Paul is right when he says we are in a state of total weakness mm. and, and, and a sense in which we can't even help ourselves. So, how then do we have to, what, what communication do we need in order to survive in this new time? And it varies also like uh, 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 Isla is a is a ten year old. Uh, she's ten nine. In nine. Yeah. So Isla is a nine year old, needing to understand why her safe spaces have been shut down, mm. and that the only safe space for a while now is being home. Mm. But her desire is saying, "Hold it! I'm not just a home pigeon." I'm one that flies across boundaries where my life is enriched by other contexts, church, school, uh, where I've got a certain amount of comfort from. Now, when, I'm, when that's taken away from me, how can I then continue having a sense of enrichment in my life? So what then does Paul tell the people in the diaspora? Um, that even though you have moved into a space that makes you particularly vulnerable, that does not curb God from reaching you there. Mm. And in your state of weakness, where you even find it distracting to the level that you can't even pray as you ought, that your openness to the Spirit of God that your awareness of the Spirit of God uh, is that he comes as the help. And I like that part because it adjoins uh, uh, its, its writing to the Johannian writing, mm. that I will send you a helper, an advocate, Jesus said, just before he died, as John tells the story. And Paul raises this, the Spirit helps us. Mm. Um, now, does the Spirit offer help and we receive the help, does the Spirit enforce the help? Or in our state of weakness, we often have a cry that would say, help me, mm. um, which takes me back to the Exodus story where the oppression was so bad for 400 years, I think it mm. was. And, and then that generation calls out to God and God hears them. So tells us God's not far from where we are mm. in our state of weakness. Um, now that we know we have a helper, what then does that the spirit do within us? And I like how Paul personalizes it. He says in verse 26, the spirit himself. Mm. So it's not sending somebody else. It's God, the Spirit, who engages our state of weakness 
and our sense of not even being able to utter prayers as we know how to pray in the other context. We can't seem to pray in this context. So the Spirit comes and what does He do? The first thing He does is intercedes for us. He doesn't intercede with us. Intercedes for us. We're in a state of weakness and, and our prayers don't seem to be like prayers. And so we need intercession and the Spirit himself offers that. Now, I also like the next thing is prayers beyond words. Mm. The Spirit groans and that's what we need to experience in this time when we have, when we enter into this diaspora from the normal as we knew it. That the the cry within us goes beyond words. That our articulation of it in a vocabulary that we knew when we weren't in the situation doesn't seem to work. So now the groaning is uh, the spirit taking um, that sense of of where you you know when when you when you when you um, mourning there's a point in which words don't seem to help but the deep sense of just agony that mm. the spirit then takes to God. And so, and and the first and the that first uh, part of of of, of Romans eight twenty six twenty seven gives us a sense of now what happens that God can hear this because God searches the heart and knows the mind of the spirit. So He gives us a sense in which how this all works for us now that we're in the diaspora, where weakness becomes our bed fellow, and our sense of not knowing how to pray in the diaspora. Okay. <laughs> so does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. It does. It does. It that was a nice, nice framing of that. But then he concludes like the chosen passage with something <laughs> that I feel <laughs> very strongly <laughs> about. And it's this uh this verse that I'll just read it and then um, and those whom he predestined he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So my knee jerk always <laughs> when there's this idea of a chosen few or a predestined, then it, it always calls into question the fact that we, the, the creation idea is that we were created with free will. But then why does the great power predestined things and like he knows he should then know what the end game is <laughs> so like what would the purpose of the play be <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh the, the 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 that is very important i think i raised the issue when we are born into this world mm. we come not on our own steam we we are born through the normal means of birth does being therefore can i interpret that as saying 
through birth, God called me into life. And that all those that are meant to have been born, even they were called into this life. Mm. Is there such a thing, therefore, as the divine predestination of those of this world? That we are because of the call to be part of this life. Now, words like predestination team seem to throw the the the, the, the baby out with the bath water mm. because of our um, and it does say that we are called according to his purpose. For as soon as we are born and we gather some kind of of interpretive uh, knowledge as people, we ask the question, why am I here? How did I come? What is my purpose? So according to Paul, it says, according to his purpose, we were called. So I'm I'm trying to understand this Paul through birth. If Mm -hmm. then does predestination mean only those who that they are right, that therefore they are predestined for future. And that was my my comment right at the, at the end of my sermon, homily, was the church has over time formed these doctrines of those four things. Predestination, con- conformation, judge, justification, and glorification made that to sound only like those who have gone through the Christian way. Yeah. So does a person who's born into a Muslim family, therefore, is that person not called into life according to the purpose of God? Mm. So can we therefore just assume this is um, only for those who've chosen the Christian way? And this is where the comes. When um, when Paul writes in the 26th verse, like, like, likewise the Spirit helps us. Who is the us that he's referring? Is yeah. it only the community that went from, from the home base into this diaspora, and then the them becomes the persons that they now engage, new culture, other ways of belief? Mm. Uh, um, you know, so easy to think them particularly. But is there a greater message there which says, though you have the sense of call, now that you're there, ought you not to make this aware, this awareness also to those that you will encounter by mm. firstly listening to them mm-hmm. and therefore engaging them to to understand what God is doing for all of us, not just for some of us. So um I, I do struggle, and I'm, I'm with you, when, when these words pop up, predestination is the most mm. controversial there, because it would seem as if Paul gives us a process from predestination to glorification, mm. you know, and, um, and it would be interesting for us to study uh, where these, how these doctrines were formulated, because... Um, I had a conversation the other day with my brother who's in the Baptist church. Yeah. And he was venting their frustration with how 
I think he called it how Baptist people think, particularly his, his congregation. And he said that what, we, what the church needs to preach is doctrine. Now, I, I understand that we need to teach the doctrine of the church. What do we understand going from scripture? But according to Paul, our preaching is about Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen. That's the theme of our sermon, who Jesus is, which will then help us when we get to the gospel reading. Yeah. So where does doctrine, and I can, I can tell you that, so the catechism in our prayer book is, is the teaching tool of the church that um, says what, what do we believe, what's, what's the various doctrines of the church. And when we did yeah. our seminarial work, we did learn the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine yeah. of whatever, yeah. doctrine of sin, doctrine of man. So it's what the, has the church drawing from scripture and from the teachings of the fathers. What did we learn uh, would be uh, the, the kind of teaching that would shape us and form us. And so, but then we do realize the church is not Anglican only. Mm. The church is, is Roman Catholic, the church is Baptist, Evangelicals, whatever it is, where other doctrines were formulated. And so these words have to be scrutinized very clearly. Yeah. But my yeah. view is, if the Spirit helps us collectively, and we were born into this world, are we therefore not here according to the purposes of God? All of us together, even in the variety of forms that we have. And that we Christians cannot claim um, that we have it all and that we are right. And well, exclude others from well, the kingdom. Well, the dogma says different. <laughs> now, actually, it takes us to, to one of the parables of Jesus here where he gathers up at the end of the age, he talks about the kingdom is like a net thrown into the sea and caught fish of every... Now, what was this um, alluding to? Yeah. And then he says, yeah, and of course, if they, if they, he talks about the sea, was it confined to the Sea of Galilee? And just how many different kind of fish did they have in the Sea of Galilee? Which, in other words, was a lake. Yeah. Um, no. Um, and when there is a separation that must be made of who then is the, is the bad ones? Throw out the bad fish. What, who are the bad fish? If we to, to look at verse forty-eight of chapter of chapter thirteen, um, who are the bad ones and who are the good ones? Is that yeah. determined yeah. along um, ethical ground? Ethical grounds? Is it is it along um, religious grounds? How do we determine who the bad is that Jesus was talking about there? Uh, yeah, so, separation yeah. evil from the righteous is yeah. the other way yeah. of. Seeing it. So, so in Matthew 13, uh, the chosen text is 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. There are many depictions of the kingdom of heaven. Um, the one which I like the most is 
it's like a woman who it's like yeast which a woman has taken and yeah add to three measures of flour until all of it was leavened so there's that I, I like that idea of like a personal involvement in the kingdom like you can make it into something like you the it's the only one of them that doesn't come with like the pretense of like you must be a certain thing predestined to be saved you know <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. yeah you can be whatever you want it can be added to something very plain and ordinary and be made into something that is greater than it is um but i did just want to share just a little personal anecdote um there's a farm called bossius um out um, on the way to sierras if you're driving from vusta um the uh, if you on instagram you'll you can just search b o s j e s and you'll see a ton of pictures of the amazing chapel that it has there um it's it's shaped almost like a bird it's a beautiful 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 place but there's a hill that they have built that they as they excavated out of the mountain um to to build the farm um they took that that ground and then they they built this this hill and on this hill they've planted all of the plants that are mentioned in the bible and it's just a beautiful place to take um some quiet time um and just to reflect because it overlooks also the family um i forget which family it is i think it's a water family um the the farm family um their personal cemetery on the grounds there as well and yeah if you ever going out that way um just take a turn off there um it's free to entry and yeah just have a moment um, to sit on top of that hill and just overlook everything and just there's a lot of like religious symbolism within that that um form as well so the the parable is put before them is the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field it is the smallest of the seeds but it is, when it is grown it is the greatest of the shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches so like I the the problem I have here is um the kingdom of heaven so the heaven obviously that is believed in when you are a christian and that's the greatest of shrubs obviously like I I'm very sensitive to those sorts of depictions of one thing that's greater than everything else like you must believe in this to have salvation um it just it just grates against that other one where it says that it's the yeast and if you combine it with anything and work it and then leaven it it becomes nutritious bread uh yeah where 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 are you on on this this entire passage and all of the different depictions of the kingdom of heaven i i i was fascinated by verse 31 which says he put before them another parable mm. so he's giving them different ways of looking at the kingdom of heaven now yeah. matthew uses the word the kingdom of heaven and sometimes it talk it talks about the kingdom of god so mm-hmm. heaven is often looked upon as a place yeah um the the kingdom of god looks upon i suppose the person of of the godhead um and they want in the same thing it's it's not about a place it's about the rule and the reign of god kingdom um Basilia is about the rule and reign of God. How how is this evident in the world says Jesus. Mm. And now the first parable says the smallest seed it is sown. So mm. obviously God is doing his work. But what's the intention and purpose of it all so that the birds of the air can make their nests in it. So what does the kingdom of God offer us? 
in the shape of a mustard seed. Smallest, so almost unseen, unnoticeable. The potential is like, what, what will this shape be? Mm. And then he says, but it offers the birds of the air a place to make nests in branches, mm. to find a home um, where their lives can uh, continue through the birth of their, their uh, uh, birdlings. Yeah. Um, so what does the kingdom offer there? Then he goes and tells us another parable and yeast. What happens to yeast? Yeast is, is, is put into bread. And when you talk about the end product, it's not about the yeast. You're talking about the bread. Yeah. But what has leavened the bread? So the kingdom of God is almost hidden. It, 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 you cannot see it once it's joined up with the world, but its effect on, on the yeast, on, on the dough, on the flour, once there's a mixture. So the kingdom of God comes and is part of, of what we experience in the world. Its effect, therefore, is to help change and transform the world into what God desired the world to be initially. Mm. Um, and so the kingdom is hidden. The kingdom, once the yeast is put into the bread, it becomes part of the process towards the bread be, being coming whole. But then what's the nature of the leavened bread? It's to feed. And, and we don't taste the yeast often. Um, but we do know that that we enjoy looking at how the bread raise rises mm. and the final product of it is to be enjoyed by everyone and so there's a process of transformation happening and then he goes on to the next parable treasure hidden in a field um, does that not talk to us about value and what will we give up for, for ultimate value, um, sells all and buys that field. Mm. So, um, so the value of the kingdom brings us to a commitment to surrender what we thought was 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 make what makes life fulfilling. But we now can see that in the kingdom of God, there is a treasure way beyond way precious, more precious and valuable than anything else. And the same with the merchant of fine pearls. Um, what is also interesting there is not all the pearls are the same. Mm. Um, one of it is going to be of greater value and that one will make the difference. That's the one we've been searching for all the time. And that makes the ultimate difference. And again, yeah, you surrender what you thought was of value in your life for this one um, um, pearl of value. And, and so you then use that and you, um, uh, uh, your, li your life is embraced by the purchase of that fine pearl, by letting into your life the, the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And then, of course, it takes us into another way and say, the kingdom of heaven is going to end, help us understand that it captures all. It, 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 it brings everyone in. But 
but uh, there's a level of accountability. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I uh, had an experience when I worked in the Macquiland many years ago of being um, in Port Nollis over the, the uh, Good Friday Easter weekend and um, doing services for the people at Port Nollis. And mm -hmm. um, Good Friday after the three-hour service, the family I stayed with took me on a boat, a dinghy, uh, in in Port Nollet where they could ca catch crayfish. And um, and I was very aware, in my mind was, the size must be right. And mm. and even though they, <laughs> the locals were telling me, don't worry, Father, the inspector is, is out of town. <laughs> so we can't take the small ones. I said, no, that's not how we apply this thing. We take what we what what is the proper ones and we then throw back what is not there. So there is a, a level of accountability. Have we grown enough in our in our sense of righteousness mm. or is evil still clouding our minds? So there will be a sense of accountability in the kingdom of God. And so that that then sort of broadens the understanding of God's reign in the world mm -hmm. um, uh, and and i'm I'm fascinated by the story uh, at the end where he says, therefore every tribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven and I did um, and I did say for me that is sort of the imperative how in our training of the kingdom, we we need to understand what this kingdom is about. We need to understand what um, uh, how it affects our lives. Mm. It, we understand the value of it, and then of course it brings out. It's like a mask that brings out treasure which is new and what is old. And I wondered whether Jesus was actually focusing that point because of Matthew's audience. Mm. The, the the Hebrew people, the old being that which came through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the value of the law um, that was an instrument of the kingdom of God. Um, remember when God made the, um, the covenant with the people of Israel, uh, Mount Sinai, one of the things he says, you will be with to me a kingdom of priests. Mm. Uh, you know, so so there is an attachment between the kingdom and the giving of the covenant and the law on on that day. Um, so the value of the of the of the of the um, of the Old Testament and 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 what does come through Jesus Christ, the mm. new. So it's it's not a matter of just knowing that there's a kingdom. We must be trained in the ways of the kingdom. Mm. No, I um, <laughs> to to kind of dwell on on, on the next question that I was going to to pose to you is like Jesus says, um, "Have you understood all of this?" And they answered, yeah. "Yes." And yeah, the, that understanding is from the the various. It, it was necessitated by the the various examples that Jesus brought out, and 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 I like I like these kind of stories of Jesus and just how he he has. A vast toolbox that he can dig into to kind of relate 
what he's trying to explain to many different types of people in many different like you you obviously know the stories of him as a child um, talking in the temples and conversing with with the, the scholars and all of those things so he has obviously this great understanding that he is for, for me it shows growth so there's always the assumption that Jesus was born perfect <laughs> you know? mm, mm. like born yeah. with all of this knowledge and everything and it, it shows that he has learned things over time from different people in different walks of life um, and then can then convey it to different people in different walks of life yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice it's, it puts a bow on the idea of him as 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 a teacher and not just as the the savior and 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 I like that humanization of him. Mm. I think that that sort of happens throughout of the, uh, the human mind to try and understand who God is. We often use um, uh, what you call that. Um, we often use um, anthropological um, methodology to try and help us to understand Jesus and to understand God in a human mm. way. Um, so, yes, I think, you know, I think that um, that that's part of the mystery of who Jesus is, you know. Yeah. Did, he, did he just know everything or did he have to also learn along the way, you know? Um, and, and why does only Luke tell us about a a teenage uh, incident in the life of Jesus, mm. uh, whereas Matthew and the Mark and John don't actually refer to that particular uh, story. So that story is unique to Luke and what is called Quella, the Q source. Mm. Um, that that that's uh, that particular thing story uh, developed. So so in a way, um, it brings us to uh, a similar story in the Old Testament. Uh, such as uh, um, uh, Samuel, when 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 he was born, uh, you know the whole thing about him growing in he was he was growing in favor with God and in stature with men. Mm. So it gives us a depiction of that in his youth, this is what he was like. And so when he comes to the age of thirty-three, when his public ministry is portrayed, yeah. you know. Um, but before that, he was engaging. He was engaging in terms of his dad's business. He learned that way of life. Mm. What what he drew from Mary, because if we look at the relationship between him and Mary al- along the journey, so um, and and also um, we do know from some of the stories of the gospel, his engagement around his family, his siblings. As, yeah. as it were, you know. So, um, uh, but of course, the, the narrative um, really goes around uh, his, his ministry starting at the age of, of 30. But then people look back as well and say, so where has he come? What is his connection with with the past? Where What is his history like? You know, and that is important because people did ask that question. You, you're born in Nazareth. Mm. You come to tell us all these wonderful things. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Who do you think <laughs> that you are? You know, with this new message. But then, and then we also hear how amazed the populace were because mm. his his message was just so refreshing. It was just so liberating. 
you know, that which was taught to them was of value, but mm. they had very boring teachers, it would seem. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and so Jesus is portrayed in that story at the age of 12 as one assimilated to a prophet like Samuel, you know, uh, who would deal with the kingship of Israel. Um, the concept of kingship comes there. Uh, and of course, poor Saul got got it first, and then then David after him, and so and so here we're dealing with someone who's talking about the actual kingdom mm. that is more important than everything else. That is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, the challenge, of course, is: Have you understood all this? And I think that's a good point to just bring up some other points of reflection for the week. Um, within the prayers of the church? So in our prayers, we are very conscious of um, in being inclusive of all people, um, no matter who they are, and we pray with hearts that are compassionate as we pray to the God whom we are called to give thanks to with our whole hearts and also whom we seek to glorify his holy name. That is why we pray for God's church, that God may grow the church into a place and community where all may find a spiritual home, and that even though we are now called to exercise devotions in homes, that the bigger picture will be experienced because we still are the church, even though we're not behind the confines of a building. In our prayers, we give God thanks that the kingdom is like yeast in dough permeating through all of the world. And we ask God to inspire all people to make a difference through every form of service by pouring out his transforming love through us. We are also called to celebrate the kingdom as treasure, uh, and which excites our heart at its discovery. And we give we ask God to give us grace to share the blessings that we have so generously received, enhancing the value and worth of it all, so that all may be enriched uh, through, through that sharing. We give thanks to God for the kingdom in which we learn is of great price and that must become our hearts through desire, that God may fill the hearts of all who suffer with the delight in his kingdom and that they also may sing praises and glorify the name of God. We then celebrate the kingdom as the net hauling in great catch. And at this juncture, we bring to God all who have died um, for their safety in the eternal arms of Jesus. And we do remember um, Edgar George, who passed away on Saturday, may and all others who have died, may God grant them eternal rest and light perfection shine upon them. We pray for his family, Janet 
and their children and grandchildren and extended family members, and that they, by God's holy angels, will be led into paradise. At this time, when COVID-19 continues to ravage the world, and we look at our own context, where uh, the other day it was reported that we had the highest um, infection rate in 24 hours, and that is concerning. Uh, and we do know that the challenges are great because people need to get on with life, and particularly ensuring the basics of life, such as food. So we pray, author of life and healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. And then we conclude the, this podcast, which um, has so generously been organized by Lindsay and whose nine-year-old daughter wonderfully challenged him about why he started all of this. And we thank him for sharing that story and for Isla's important question. Right now, our churches are not able to go back to its normal way. We are still doing funerals under the regulations of COVID-19 compliancy. We give you thanks for your pledging and collections, and we thank God that the church is able to continue to remain afloat. We thank, ask God's blessings upon all who celebrate their birthdays and anniversaries, and we do pray for real wisdom around church schools going back and, and the continuation of our children's education. And so. Um, we also announced that Cindy Uvis, who worked at our, as our receptionist, she has moved on to a new job for which we thank God for the um, opportunity she's re received. We're just grateful for her being able to share her person and talents with our congregation and it's reached, enriched us greatly as a team in the office and for the benefit of the whole congregation. And we ask God's blessings on her. As she starts this new job in on the 1st of August, we will miss her sorely. And so in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, let us now go secure in the love of God, from which nothing can separate us. Let us delight in seeking the Lord. Look always for the power and the presence of God. And let love, like yeast in dough, permeate through all of, of who we are. And may God work for good in all things for you. May Christ Jesus conform you in the image of his love. And may the Holy Spirit help you in your weakness, interceding for you and in you according to the will of God. May the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be always with you.